Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Meredith Kane. Meredith is a registered dietitian and certified mindset coach on a mission to help women eat with confidence so that they get healthier, stronger, and fitter. After years of yo-yo dieting, disordered eating, and feeling completely lost when it came to nutrition, Meredith has learned how to eat for her goals by improving her relationship with food and flexible eating. She teaches women how to use those same tools to achieve their goals without sacrificing their favorite foods. In the episode, Meredith talks about managing weight loss expectations, staying consistent, the importance of strength training, and more. Before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order, and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Meredith. Enjoy. Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Meredith. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Can you start off by telling us a bit about your background and specifically what led you to become a dietitian? Sure. So I am a dietitian and certified mindset coach. Um, Truthfully, I originally got interested in nutrition because I thought it would make me skinny. Um, Plot twist, that's not how that works. Um, Just knowing things or like automatically becoming a dietitian or nutrition coach doesn't magically make you skinny. Um, But I pursued nutrition after realizing that I did not want to go to physical therapy school uh, and touch people's feet. So I became really interested in nutrition because it was one of my minors. Um, And over the course of my career, I really just like learning about nutrition, but also how can I translate that to information that people can use, right? So you and I have a much different understanding of nutrition and things that seem like, quote unquote, common sense are not always common sense to other people. Um, 
and during my internship to become a dietitian, I worked in a low income clinic and I quickly realized that just because you, you know, hand someone a yam doesn't mean they know what to do with it. Right. So that's, there's a big difference between access and also like access and implementation. So that's why I'm big on education because I mean, a couple of years ago, if you handed me bok choy, I would have no idea what to do with it. Right. Or what Mm -hmm. it even is. Um, so that's really what kind of kept me going in nutrition and also my pursuit of public health, um, a public health masters is that I just really like educating people and helping them meet their goals with what they have available to them. Right. It's funny you say that I posted something the other day, some video about making frozen veggies mm-hmm. because I love frozen veggies and we eat them all the time. And my MO, I don't have an air fryer or really any kind of gadgets that people have. People get really mad when I say that. It's totally fine. If you love your air fryer, it's great. I just don't have one. Uh, but I just throw them into our cast iron skillet all the time. Mm. And to me, it just, I mean, I just throw them in there and then heat them up and then we just eat them from there. Mm. But somebody commented, how do you make veggies or how do you prepare veggies? And just sometimes I forget that something that feels so simple to me now actually hasn't always been that way because I once felt very inept in the kitchen and like I had no idea what I was doing at all. And it's interesting you say that because it is so much about education. And then also some of these things we think everybody just kind of knows or takes for granted. That isn't always the case. Right. It's all skill building, right? Learning how to balance a meal, how to cook, how to feed yourself properly is all skill building. Um, How to be consistent is a skill. How to establish habits is a skill. So yeah, I think because for a lot of us, it's all second nature. We forget, you know, these things are skills. Like I'm currently trying to get better at keeping my house tidy and it's a skill, right? It takes practice. Um, and it's not always second nature. Right. No, that's that's a great point. And to think about all these skills we've learned in life that we somehow take for granted now. Mm-hmm. But then when you learn a new one, you're kind of back at square one. And it when you mention tidying your house, or I sometimes use the analogy of learning a language, mm-hmm. there isn't a lot of blame or shame built into learning other skills. But with nutrition, I feel like a lot of times there is of feeling ashamed because like, I don't know how to do this and I should know how to do this and everybody knows how to do this or balancing a plate feels difficult to me, but why isn't it to everybody else? Do you find that to be kind of consistent with what you have experienced too, that there's a lot of kind of emotion and feelings that come into building the skill of nutrition versus maybe some other skill? Yeah, I hear a lot. Um, especially from individuals who are interested in working with me. Um, you know, they're like I'm an adult and I don't know how to feed myself properly. And it sounds silly and it sounds ridiculous. And I'm like, it really doesn't though. Cause think about what we grew up in. Right. You know, I've had people who have done the diets where they just drink two shakes per day and then eat one meal and they don't know how to make a proper meal because most of their diet has been drinking, you know, meal replacements. Um, and you know, there's so many diets out there and so much information, both accurate and inaccurate. Um, and nutrition is just so individualized. It, it does, it, it doesn't surprise me that people don't know how to like feed themselves. Right. It's not like back when our grandparents or their parents were around and it was just, you know, meat, potatoes, veggies, you ate three times a day, 
It wasn't as it wasn't as complex. There weren't as many options. We also didn't know as much about nutrition or about health and what, you know, how they interact. So yeah, I definitely hear a lot of um, shame and guilt from adults when they don't know how to feed themselves just for general health. Obviously, sometimes with like health conditions, they understand that it's a learning curve. But just for the general healthy population, I think there is some guilt and shame and probably some frustration too because it is just so overwhelming and has definitely become way more complicated than it needs to be, I think. And as you were just talking, I was thinking it's a skill that's kind of thrown in your face multiple times a day mm-hmm. because you eat multiple times a day, whether right. you like it or not, you have to. And so if you don't know this skill, it's a reminder to you every single day you wake up versus if I don't know the skill of speaking another language, that's something I can pursue in my free time as a mm-hmm. hobby, but it's not confronting me every single day, three to five times a day and making me feel bad that I don't know how to speak this language. It's kind of, unless I guess you're immersed in another country and that's a different thing, but it's, it's kind of this in your face skill. And I love that you said that word that is a constant reminder. If you don't feel mastery, that you don't feel mastery. It's just there. Yeah, I think I read somewhere and I could be making this number up, but it's something you make like 240 like food choices a day or something, right? Even from like, am I hungry? Am I going to eat? When am I going to eat? Right? Right from like the get go, you're making all these decisions that, you know, require skill, right? Um, It also requires, you know, recognizing body signals and how you're feeling and how that meal may impact you after you eat. So, yeah, it's definitely it's a lot. And then, you know, a common thing with people who suffer with disordered eating or eating disorders is that there's all this noise in their head. Right. And it gets really overwhelming. And, you know, I've worked with um, clients where you know, if I give an example of a meal, they'll be like, but I don't like apples. This is a pear and okay substitute. And like to you or I, or to like someone who doesn't suffer from any type of issues with eating, they'd be like, what? Yeah, obviously. But for some people that's not an obvious switch, right? Or there's so much anxiety built around that decision to, you know, switch a pear and an apple, um, that it really impacts their mental health and really impacts mm. their ability to feed themselves. Or much less a banana. Right. I mean, if you only like bananas and then everybody's saying, don't eat bananas, yeah. bananas are the worst. Bananas, <laughs> bananas really got thrown under the bus. So. <laughs> they really did. Bananas got thrown under the bus and kale got exalted. Mm-hmm. So that if you're somebody who loves bananas and hates kale, you're just kind of like, well, what am I supposed to do? Exactly. What am I supposed to eat? Exactly. I, I, for one, am not a big fan of kale, um, yeah. which everyone assumes that I eat, but... It's not my thing. I do like bananas. Bananas got thrown on the under the bus. All fruit really just got right, right. Just got shamed for literally no reason. I know. <laughs> I know. I eat a banana pretty much every morning, and I can't remember the last time we bought kale. It's okay. It's just not a regular purchase of ours. Right. But it's it is one of those things too that I guess we take for granted because if you post even a picture of a balanced plate. And you have an apple on the plate. Like somebody could take that very literally mm-hmm. of, oh, I don't like apples. So I can't make that plate or that's not for me. And it, so it's just the education part and the communication is hard mm-hmm. to get people to see this is just 
a little image for this graphic. It could be any fruit. You could put anything here. Right. You definitely never know how someone's going to interpret what you're saying in my clients probably, I don't know if they recognize this or not, but many people like I repeat myself when I'm making a recommendation, I repeat myself to clients like multiple times. And it's not because I think they're like unintelligent and don't understand first. It's because I think I'm incoherent, Um, but also (laughs) because I want to be clear about what the recommendation is. Cause I've had, when I worked in healthcare, I remember I had a patient who was like, you know, sometimes I just have these really weird reactions with meat or something. And I was like, I mean, you could try, you know, limiting meat and see how it goes. And she called me like two weeks later. I was like, thank you for telling me to be vegetarian. And I was like, that's not (laughs) quite what I said, but if it's working for you, I mean, okay, great. But I didn't, I wasn't like be vegetarian. Right. So you just never know how what you're saying is going to be interpreted, internalized, and then, you know, reapplied. So I definitely try to be as clear as I can and also repeat myself a lot when I'm communicating, you know, any type of education. And speaking to that, I'm sure you've had the the time when you put something out on social media and then it's completely misconstrued or it lands in the wrong audience. And then you're like, wait, what did all these people are commenting? Did I even say that? And then I rewatched the video and I didn't say that, but then it's completely taken a different way. I mean, it's, that's a whole other can of worms. Right. Well, and that's the hard thing about social media is everyone thinks you're talking directly to them. I I made a video and it blew up on TikTok. um, about how fruit doesn't make you fat or fruit having too much sugar. And all these people are like, well, I have diabetes or my doctor told me to watch this. And I was like, but, okay, so I should have prefaced it by saying for the general healthy population, but even for somebody with blood sugar issues, fruit's still not bad for you, right? But it does, it, it you do have to be really clear on who you're speaking to because everyone thinks you're speaking to them just because your video right. came up in their feed. For sure. Or if, you know, you talk for a minute in this little clip, but then you don't, mention a hundred other things that Mm -hmm. could be going on because it's a complex issue. And then people question those things. And it's just trying to also convey, I, it's a one minute video, right? Right. Like I can't cover or say everything in one minute. And so that's another challenge, but it is good because I do think social media helps get the message out there. But at the same time, Sometimes it goes the completely wrong way, but that's, that's for another podcast. Uh, You mentioned the skill of consistency Mm -hmm. and I hear this word ad nauseum. I'm sure you do too. And not necessarily in a bad way. I mean, it's a skill that everybody's Mm -hmm. trying to master and we all know that consistency pays off and Mm -hmm. it's one of the best skills that you can kind of cultivate with anything, tidying your home or practicing a language or whatever it is. So first of all, why is it important to master that skill in your words? Mm -hmm. And what are some of your best tips for achieving consistency? Sure. So I think consistency is important because with nutrition, health, fitness, mindset, whatever you're working on, nothing is made or broken in a day or in a single meal or in a single workout, right? These are all small things that build up over time, right? So that's why consistency matters because you have to keep building on that work you're putting in each day, right? One salad is not going to improve your blood work. One workout is not going to make you an Olympian, right? These are all things that you have to build because they're skills and skills are definitely not developed 
in a single day. They take many, many, many days. Um, and I think for consistency, I think one of the biggest things is for people is to understand what consistency really is, right? Like in simple terms, it's what you do most of the time. So basically 51 to hundred percent of the time. Um, and also understanding, and I think this is where expectation management kind of comes in is, you know, understanding that, you know, the results you get with 60% consistency are not going to be probably the same results you get with 90% consistency. But if 60% consistency is like an improvement for you, that's great. Aim for that. Um, so I think part of it is just expectation management because a lot of with mindset work, nutrition, fitness, a lot of it is you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So if you're only putting in 60% consistency, but you're okay with getting the 60% consistency results, then by all means, you do you, but you can't expect to get the same results as if you were 90% consistent. Um, and with that expectation management, especially because we're in uh, New Year's resolution time, is it you know, a real, realistic expectation if you're brand new to working out that you're going to go to the gym five days per week and consistently do that for weeks on end. For some people, maybe, but for most people, probably not. So I think when we think about consistency, it's first understanding what it is, understanding where you're currently at in terms of consistency, and also kind of managing your expectations, both of what you're able to actually commit to and what results are going to look like with that commitment, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. I think the managing expectations part is so critical. I'm sure you have clients come to you who, let's say, want to drop 20 pounds and feel really toned and they have this kind of laundry list of goals. But then when you start getting into the work, there's an somebody posted or maybe I read it online. Oh, you know what? I It was, it was a precision nutrition article. So I can link this in the show notes, but it's uh, titled something like the cost of getting lean. Mm -hmm. And when you start to realize everything's really a cost benefit analysis and everything requires trade-offs. And when you start doing the work to reach your goals, understanding how, how many trade-offs you have to make to reach a certain body composition mm -hmm. and people walking around with a six pack. Yes, that you may see that and that may be desirable to you. But if you were to see how they're living their life day in, day out and what their consistency looks like, is that something you are willing to do? Is that, are those trade-offs you're willing to make? Uh, and so I just think the managing expectations part is really key. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing that I also talk a lot about, I've posted about it a few times online, is understand that consistency is not the same as like rigidity and like strictness in rules, right? It is repetition and habits and behavior. Um, and I think that's also sometimes where people kind of go astray because they're like, you know, if they're trying to establish an exercise habit and they're like, well, I don't have time to make to the gym for an hour and a half, so I'm just not going to go. That's not consistency would say just go and do 20 minutes and you're still consistently working out even if you're not hitting you know your super long workout or whatever it is um but yeah i th i think the other part is recognizing that with any goal likely some sacrifice is required and that's not the same as restriction right if you're trying to you know improve your overall diet it might be you know instead of eating five oreos at night instead of you know a lot of people just cut them all out and then end up binging again on them or something instead of five maybe you only eat two or three right that's still a sacrifice but you're not totally restricting yourself of course it's all individualized but i think 
people bounce back and forth with extremes thinking that like, I have to be a hundred percent consistent or this is what consistency is, but no, it's not. But also on the flip side, you have to recognize that some sacrifice is required. And I, it's 100% like the article said, like it's what level of sacrifice are you willing to make? Or even looking at someone's, you know, what they eat in a day, like, what are you willing to sacrifice to achieve your goals? Like, are you willing to maybe, you know, reduce your cookie amount or have apples instead of chips, whatever it is. There's a lot, I think there's a lot more that goes into it. And yes, I read in, um, the subtle art of not giving an F that, um, by Mark Manson, I think it is. He wrote, you know, everybody wants to be a rock star when they grow up, but that doesn't mean that everybody wants to put in the work to be a rock star, right? They're not willing to practice for, hours on end and have calloused fingers or bleeding fingers from practicing guitar, right? There's a difference between wanting to willing, being willing to lose weight and being willing to do the work to lose weight or being, you know, wanting to back squat your body weight and being willing to do the work, right? There's a difference between wanting the goal and being willing to do the effort that gets mm-hmm. you to the goal. I was wrapping up a client this morning and we were talking about, she just, went on a long vacation with family. And when she originally started working with me, she really did have this kind of pretty extreme weight loss goal that she slowly kind of tapered back as the weeks went on and more of a kind of toned fitness goal. And then she went on this vacation and we were talking today about how she just felt mentally light and free and that losing that mental weight Mm-hmm. meant so much more to her than losing all of the pounds she initially thought she wanted to lose. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't even, she stopped tracking her weight measurements at some point. Cause it just, she didn't care anymore, which was totally fine. And she was saying today, like maybe I lost five or 10 pounds, but I lost the mental weight, which feels like another 10 pounds. And on this vacation for the first time in my life, I was walking on the beach and enjoying an ice cream and not feeling guilty about it. And then they were traveling with another family and the woman had the body that she initially thought she wanted. Mm. And the woman was skipping out on every ice cream, going to the gym excessively. She said at least once, maybe twice a day for at least an hour at a time. And it just became this aha moment to her of what is your kind of happy, healthy weight that feels really maintainable for you versus maybe your ideal body that would take so much more sacrifice to get there. And it's up to every person. I mean, it's body autonomy. You choose, you do you, if you want the six pack, go for it. But it's, you have to kind of have your expectations meet reality. Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram 
at the health investment. Now back to the episode. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's, so I come from a CrossFit background, so it's really important to understand like the people that I would see at the gym or online, like they are, they are getting paid to work out, right? They work out like four to six hours a day. Like I'm not going to achieve that same level of performance or body composition status when I can make it to the gym right now, you know, three times a week and then I walk. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, it's understanding that you have a different life and mm-hmm. if that's the life you want, you can go for it. I mean, there are people that go for it, but you have to be realistic about again, what you're willing to give up. And you have to also understand that like, these things are done in seasons, right? Or they should be done in seasons, right? The people with the six packs, like that's usually not how they look all the time Mm -hmm. or it shouldn't be, right? Because they, you know, they probably can't or shouldn't be working out for four hours a day all year round unless they're like a professional athlete, right? Most people should be eating for their current body with seasons of fat loss or seasons of muscle building versus like the chronic dieting which I don't think people, a lot of under, a lot of people understand the difference mm-hmm. between those phases and what chronic dieters are doing. Right. <laughs> or speaking to seasons, seasons of life, like having a new baby, mm-hmm. your life is going to look way different than when you were single versus when you were married with no child. And just knowing that throughout these seasons, it's okay to change your nutrition and your movement. And again, have your, you know, kind of expectations kind of tone them down, I guess. Yeah. You really have to kind of keep yourself in check. Like for me right now, I'm postpartum, so I'm not getting back to the lifting numbers that I could do before pregnancy right away, because that's not what's best for my, my, you know, health and safety or my pelvic floor. Um, (laughs) it's the same thing with my body composition. Like we're not, I'm not bouncing back. We're not bouncing back over here, right? We're trying to keep me alive, keep a baby alive, keep my family alive. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, eventually maybe if the season of life I am in allows it, I can pursue, you know, more specific goals. But I think that is a big challenge of um, just kind of the culture that we lived in or we grew up in is that expectation of, you know, mommy bounce back culture or that expectation that, you should be exercising, you know, hardcore in the gym seven days a week when in reality, yes, you should move daily. But like the example you gave with the woman hitting the gym an hour to two hours per day while on vacation, there's nothing wrong with exercising on vacation. But I I think we start to toe a fine line of like, where are we now sacrificing both health and quality of life for these body composition goals? Mm hmm. I've seen you talk about on Instagram, effort-based goals. Mm -hmm. Can you describe what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so a lot of times, so when we talk about when clients come to us with goals, they're like, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to get my first pull up. Those are outcomes, right? Those are the things we're trying to get to. We don't really have control over that, right? Like saying, I want to lose three pounds this week. We don't actually have control over what the scale says or you know, what exactly our body does. So it's like kind of trying to control the weather, right? Like I can't control that it snowed yesterday, but I can, you know, shovel the driveway to make sure that I can get out, right? I can control my effort to manage the outcome so I don't get stuck in the driveway. 
So it's the same thing with health, fitness, nutrition, right? You can't control when you get your first pull up, right? You can't say, I'm going to get my first pull up by February 3rd. But you can say, I'm going to put in the effort to practice pull ups two times a week. You know, if you have a weight loss goal, you can't say, all right, by February 20th, I want to have lost eight pounds exactly. But you can say, you know, I really want to lose X amount of weight and this is the effort I'm going to put in. So I'm going to focus on, you know, maybe making sure I have a veggie at each meal um, or walking X amount of times per week, right? So it's really coming down to controlling the controllables and really recognizing what you actually have direct control over, which you don't have control over the scale or the exact day you get a pull up or, um, you know, what someone says about your goals, but you do have control over, you know, your mindset, your nutrition, your sleep, your recovery, and your fitness. And that's really mostly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like control of the controllables. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good little takeaway from this that I know I'm going to echo in my own mind. I like that a lot. Yeah. You've mentioned strength training a couple of times and mm-hmm. you do such a good job kind of promoting the benefits of it and showing yourself working out. Why would you say strength training is so important? And would you say it's good for everyone or it's good for just some people? Um, it's 1000% good for everyone. And again, it comes back to that expectation management and individuality and in that it strength training might look different for everyone, but strength training is definitely great for everyone. And I'm not a personal trainer, but, um, I definitely think everyone at some point should pursue strength, right? Because not only for like the looking toned or building muscle, um, or like <clears throat> building a butt or whatever, but also like functionality independence. So my first job as a dietitian was in a nursing home, which was an absolute adventure. Um, I spent most days either getting proposed to or cussed out by residents. Um, and I love them. They were great. Um, and I think what a lot of people don't necessarily understand is that a lot of people don't end up in the nursing home because they're sick, right? It's because they can no longer take care of themselves. So their functionality has declined. They can't grocery shop. They can't get themselves off the toilet. They can't, you know, get themselves off the floor if they fall, That's why a lot of people end up in a nursing home. So strength training plays a huge role in that, right? Being able to carry your groceries in, being able to bend over, being able to get up out of a chair off the toilet. You have to have strength to do that. And that's why I think strength training outside of like all the fun things like trying to deadlift 300 pounds or whatever it is, is so important. And it's not talked about enough because it's so important for quality of life, independence, functionality, mobility, all those things that matter later in life. And, you know, when you're twenties, you don't think about these things. Um, but I had a conversation with somebody the other day where I'm like, I feel like once you get into your thirties, you start to see the impact on either your parents, or your grandparents of people who were physically active or were not right. You kind of start to see the difference of the people who struggle to bend over versus the people who can pick things up or shovel the driveway or whatever. So I think that I wish we just talked about the additional benefits of strength training besides the aesthetic standpoint more often, because there's so much more to it than just like having a six pack or like giant biceps. 
Right. Yeah, for sure. If somebody hears what you're saying and they're nodding their head, yes, 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 it's so important, but they're not presently in the routine of doing it, what are some of your best tips for getting started? Um, find some trainers, find some accounts that support physical activity in all body types, for sure. Um, seek out local gyms, trainers, right? Because going into strength training on your own is probably not ideal. Most people aren't either underestimate how strong they are or overestimate how strong they are. Form is super important. Progressive overload, all those things. You really need someone to show you how to do it and a well-structured program to build upon, right? So you're not just doing random workouts. If you want to get the most out of your strength training, you definitely should be following some type of program. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I will just say, did you know Ben Bruno? Yes. Do you follow I, him at all? I follow yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. So he, I mean, he, you're probably not going to work with him because he works with like celebrities and yeah, stars. Like and, and stuff. Yeah. 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 But he is releasing a program that's accessible, I think, an online program for men and women. So if somebody's interested, he's somebody good to follow. I know he's releasing that soon. I also have a very good friend who's friends with him who's releasing a program soon. So I will link those things in the show notes if everyone's listening and thinking, I wish I had some type of kind of online guide. Uh, but yeah, I think getting some type of structure, it's kind of just like nutrition, right? It's this whole world. And if you feel as if you don't belong in it and you don't kind of know what's going on, trying to approach that on your own without some type of mentor or coach or guide can be really overwhelming. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, I started off with CrossFit, right? So I, I mean, I dabbled in lifting a little bit when I was in high school because I played sports, but CrossFit would really put like a barbell in my hand consistently. And like my knowledge grew from there, but I started off the same as everyone else with group classes, learning the basics and you have to be willing to be a beginner and also, and this is hard for a lot of people is be willing to look like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. And it's okay to be a beginner. And that's especially hard this time of year with the new year resolutioners, um, because it's very intimidating to walk into a gym and be a beginner and not know what you're doing, but that's okay. It's okay to be a beginner for sure. Absolutely. Because you're never going to get to where you want to be without being a beginner at some point. And everybody in that gym was where you were at some point. And chances are they care more about what they're doing than what you're doing. So I think we always think that people are looking at us, but nobody really cares what you're doing. They care what they're doing themselves. And most people, from what I have experienced, it depends, right? Like sometimes there can be the kind of gym bro who's like, I'm using five machines at once and is mm -hmm. kind of off-putting. But most people are very helpful if you go to a gym and even if you just had a question. Right. Absolutely. For the most part, I would say in my experience, but again, people have very different experiences, especially based on, you know, what they look like and what their body type is because people mm -hmm. make assumptions. Um, but there's at least one person in there rooting for you and one person that is helpful. And I'm always rooting for you, for you, even if I'm yeah. not there or dependent, especially if, sorry to anyone who's ever seen me in the gym. I'm sorry about my face. <laughs> I, I try to fix it and I try to smile at people, but usually I'm just so zoned out and like focused on what I'm doing. I don't pay attention to what my face looks like, but anyway, um, that's very, it's honestly, 
most people with an asterisk aren't paying attention to what you're doing. Um, and I think we're really moving away from hopefully moving away from the toxic gym culture. Like, do you follow Joey Swole? Have you ever seen him on TikTok? No. He's this absolutely delightful guy who is huge. He is so strong and so jacked, but he basically calls out crappy people in the gym who make videos about other people in the gym. And he's really trying to fight toxic gym culture and he's just great. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. He's Good great. To know. I'll go follow him. Yeah. I think, but I- again, judging people based on what they look like, right? right? It seems as if how you described him, somebody might judge him as being might assume he's like, uh, yeah, like a gym bro, but he's honestly very nice. And he calls people out for being awful in the gym. Perfect. We just need more people calling people out for being awful. I think that's just I 100% agree <laughs> in general. So I already, I like him already. I like exactly. Him already. I love if you could touch on a couple of myths that are circulated mm-hmm. or, or maybe not, but one being, can you break your metabolism? People talk about this a lot, that their metabolism is broken. Sure. Um, if your metabolism is broken, you're probably not alive anymore. (laughs) So if we dial it back, like metabolism always gets like kind of this imagery of like a fire burning type of thing. Um, but in reality, your metabolism is literally all the processes in your body. Um, and if all those things are broken, you're probably not alive anymore. So no. Your metabolism is not broken. It's not It's not even really slow or fast, right? It's just kind of like your metabolism. Everyone's is different. Um, and your metabolism is very adaptable, right? It, it's going to adapt to the input you give it, but it's never going to just like not work. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's good because I think a lot of people, usually they're selling some type of metabolism boosting tea or supplement or something and preying on this idea that you can break your metabolism and scaring people. And then it's really tempting to buy their supplement. Right. And if you truly want to like speed up your metabolism, the things that are going to help are strength training because muscles, active tissue, uh, eating optimal protein, managing stress, getting enough sleep and moving and not just going to the gym, but like moving in your daily life. Those things will actually help your metabolism. Mm-hmm. Not um, the drinking spicy lemon water every morning will not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or weird teas. Or chlorophyll water. I think that was like a whole thing for a long time. Uh-huh. None of that will do it. But strength training, protein, sleep, stress management, and movement. Those things will help your metabolism for sure. Awesome. What about are hormones responsible for weight gain? Um, are hormones responsible for weight gain? No. <laughs> and again, that's like with a big asterisk, right? So it's very much one of those, as much as people want there to be like these black and white answers in nutrition, they're really not. At the end of the day, weight gain is from eating more calories than you consume. However, when we look at that calorie balance equation of what you're consuming versus what you're burning in a day, a ton of things are going to impact it. Hormones are one of them, right? So, for example, insulin is one that gets a lot of like 
has a bad rap because it is a fat storage like promoting hormone but insulin's not bad for you you would die without it (laughs) you literally need it to live so for insulin yes it is a fat promoting hormone however many many studies have shown that you insulin does not make you gain weight outside of the calorie surplus so again it's always going to come back to calories but there's so many things that are going to impact that energy balance equation. Mm-hmm. Like the type of calories you're consuming. Being right. One. Right. So the type of calories and the amount will always, um, at the end of the day, the amount will be what matters. But again, the type of calories, right? Because if you're getting the majority of your calories from foods that aren't filling, you're more likely to eat more than you need in a day and see weight gain. Whereas if you're eating things that have lots of protein and fiber, those are more filling calories and you're less likely to overconsume calories and see weight gain. Hmm. Well, I'm so grateful for everything that you've shared for us, uh, shared with us. One of the final questions I ask each of my guests is in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? I think to make the health investment, you are making decisions that are best for your health. And I know it sounds really simplistic, but this is where we have to put blinders on and be like, what is healthful for me? Right. Mm. Because for the over exerciser, the helpful thing might be to dial back on exercising. For some people, increasing fiber intake might be the healthful thing for other people who have GI issues, decreasing fiber intake might be the healthful thing to do. So I think it's getting really clear on what is best for your health, not Mm -hmm. what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. I love that. And for me, I just constantly have to remind myself that re-examining that on a week-to-week and month-to-month basis. I had a client the other day who is working in this super stressful job, and it's the highest stress week of the year. And she was saying her goal that week was to just really ramp up her strength training. And then we had a conversation of, like, that's another stress on your body. Would it be better even this week just to ramp up your sleep and just like, think, can I go for walks and do kind of more gentle exercise versus this is the week I'm going to go hardcore on the strength training goal. Maybe not, right? Maybe that's not the best time. You could do that next week or the week after and just kind of being okay with that, that week to week things can look different. It doesn't always have to be strength training is my goal. Therefore that's what I'm doing. Hardcore. Right. Right. So it comes back to the expectation management for sure. Exactly. And I think that is such a great point you brought up and I don't think anybody's ever discussed it in that thorough of a nature as you did. So I'm looking forward to hearing people especially hear that part of this conversation. Where can listeners follow and find you? Sure. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok technically at meredithkane.nutrition. Cool. I don't know that I follow you on TikTok. Is that a existing venture that you're ramping up or? <laughs> so I was active on TikTok until I made that fruit video. Um, I got like a hundred thousand views and all these people were just yelling. And I was like, this is so much and so overwhelming. I think TikTok is great and has mm-hmm. its pluses and minuses, but um, I don't use TikTok a ton, but in theory, I'm going to start using it more. Yeah. It's interesting. I use TikTok a lot 
and the community is different. So I feel like mm-hmm. on Instagram, people kind of know me more mm-hmm. and it's a little bit of a, not always, but kind of a friendlier space. Yes. And TikTok, a lot of times, especially if you have a viral video, it reaches somebody who doesn't know you at all. And people are very into commenting on TikTok mm-hmm. and very into not caring at all about the tone of their comment or I don't know, it's a whole different world. And so going back to that kind of cost benefit analysis thing, everybody wants to go viral on TikTok, but that comes with a cost Oh my because I've never had a viral video that wasn't exciting, but also awful <laughs> because people are just going crazy in the comments. Even if you say, so, like you said, fruit isn't bad. I mean, you say the most benign thing mm-hmm. and then people get mad. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a really interesting space. Yeah. TikTok is hard because a lot of people just like to yell. Yeah. Um, and again, you're reaching people that you don't normally reach. And again, not, I think something as a consumer of this stuff is you have to understand that not everyone is speaking to you. Right. Right. Like if you're trying to lose weight, the eating disorder dietitian is not speaking to you. If you're trying to recover from an ED, like the weight loss pages are not speaking to you. Right. And those are extreme examples. But like if you're somebody that's triggered by calorie counting, maybe don't follow or just scroll right by the people that talk about calorie counting. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing I tell my husband this and we joke about it of my favorite thing to say when those comments are really ramping up is just feel free to scroll on by and I just keep saying that and it's just a weird thing on that space where it's almost as if people are unable to scroll and it's like first I have to leave this nasty comment and then I'll scroll and that's something I'm still wrapping my head around on TikTok, but I do like a lot of parts of it. But anyway, that was a whole tangent for people who, for people who want to know the inner workings of posting on social media. Right, being a content creator. I yeah. actually turned off commenting for a little while to purposely on Instagram actually kill one of my videos because it was like a fun one. It wasn't even relevant and it just kept blowing up. And then I started getting like all these nasty comments and I was like, okay, we're just going to kill this video because I just need it to not continue. And that's such a smart thing. I've never even thought that I can do. Is I just limited, I limited comments to people who follow me for like uh, a couple weeks, and then smart. I up. But I, it was also right when I was post, like right uh, when the yeah. babies were, and I was like, I don't. It's just so much yelling. It, being a content <laughs> creator is not the hardest job in the world, but sometimes it really does weigh on you for sure. It does, and there's always a human behind the account, mm-hmm. and people neglect to remember that, and. It all, it really depends too on your mood the day that happens, because some days I'm just like, ha, 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 this is so funny. Look what people are saying and just not engaging in other days. I'm like, must engage with every person right. writing this. And then, you know, that's when it's probably best to turn the comments off for right. sure. <laughs> well, glad we had this little side chat because now I learned that I can turn the comments off and that is something I will be using moving Mm -hmm. forward. But thank you so much again, Meredith, for being here. I had a great time talking to you and I look forward to staying connected off air. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician.
None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.